Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. We are in the book of Isaiah this morning, Isaiah 64. Man, Brittany just picked some of the best songs this morning to go with our message, and um, I wasn't even sure when, when she and I talked about doing Raise a Hallelujah, how well that was even going to fit, but it was perfect. But honestly, she's been waiting for her brother to return because she loves to sing that song and them harmonizing together. And actually, since he left for college, every time I would bring up singing that song, she's like, well, I could do it, but I really like that one with Alex's mom, you know, so... Um, She's excited to have him singing again. Um, You notice we were without piano this morning. Alvin is doing family, you know, with David for Thanksgiving. So he was coming back today, actually. Also, one thing I forgot in announcements, do not forget, next Sunday is our secret sister reveal. So if you are able to be here, um, bring that last gift. Um, If you're not, if you're at home watching, if you're not, if you can try to get that to the church this week and We're just going to do the best we can. Isn't that what 2020 is about? Just making the best out of everything we can. I, I, I don't even know how else to say it this, this time of year. We're just doing the best, but I do look forward to it. I'm, I'm anxious to see who mine was. I had a wonderful secret sister. I say that every year. They're always wonderful, aren't they? Um, but I have no clue and, and I just, I have no clue. I have. No clue. I think I'm just too busy to look for clues anymore. Um, But I've gotten some wonderful gifts that I truly, truly do love. Isaiah 64, starting in verse 1. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. How the mountains would quake in your presence. As fire causes wood to burn and water to boil, your coming would make the nations tremble. Then your enemies would learn the reason for your fame. When you came down long ago, you did awesome deeds beyond our highest expectations. And oh, how the mountains quake. For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you, who works for those who wait for him. You welcome those who gladly do good, who follow godly ways, but you have been very angry with us, for we are not godly. We are constant sinners. How can people like us be saved? We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep away like the wind. Yet no one calls on your name or pleads with you for mercy. Therefore, you've turned away from us and turned us over to our sins. And yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We all are formed by your hand. Don't be so angry with us, Lord. Please don't remember our sins forever. Look at us. We pray and see that we are all your people. Lord, this is your word. It is alive and active with your spirit breathing through it this morning. And may it change us because of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So when everything is lost, whether it's by war, natural disaster, when there seems to be no way out, it's a hopeless situation. I don't know if you've ever been in those situations where everything feels hopeless. I know our family has. 17 years ago, when our trailer house burned. And it didn't even burn all the way to the ground, but it wrecked everything. And I remember that night, just the hopelessness I felt. I remember sitting in Reba's basement, trying to get kids tucked in and figure out just what the next step was. I remember reaching for a toothbrush and it hit me, I don't even have a toothbrush. Hmm. I don't even have anything that's mine right now. If you've been in that place, you know what hopelessness is. You understand the depth of despair when you can't even think through the next 30 seconds. And that looks different for all of us sitting here and all of us at home this morning. In the text that I just read this morning, this is right in the middle of a hopeless situation. The, the Israelites, they, they've been gone in exile for decades now in Babylon. And the Judeans are, are free to return. The king has let them come back now. Only when they got there, there was nothing. Everything was barren. Everything destroyed. And, and they said, what are we supposed to do? This was supposed to be joyous. You know, we've been so excited. We just wanted to be set free and we wanted to come home. They told their children the stories of where home used to be. They've been telling the children and the grandchildren all about how great God is, how wonderful he is, all these wonderful things that he's done. And our homeland, when we get there, is going to be great. And now all of a sudden, it's not. And there's this incredible distance that they feel from God. And they're questioning whether God is working at all on their behalf. So what we see here in this reading today, because of that hopeless situation, the Judeans are crying out, they're lamenting to God. Again, lamenting is, man, it's that thing that you just dig in the core. It's not just whining about the situation. It's that despair. It's that down in the gut. I don't know if you've ever had that moment. I've been there where hitting my knees, it wasn't even low enough. Like I had to lay flat on my face as I cried out to God. Because I just was digging so deep. So the Judeans, they're crying out, God, where are you? They wonder where God is. I mean, he's released us from this captivity, but this is what we've come back to. Have they been abandoned by God? Why would God leave them like this? And so we see them asking God to draw near to us. He said, burst from the heavens, come down. We need you to come down. Come, come right here, Lord. We want you right here. They're asking for that visible presence. Have you ever asked that of God? 
Like, God, I, I know you're there, but I really, I need to know you're here in this moment. They wanted God to intervene. They wanted God to bring light into the darkness. They wanted God to bring hope to them. And they remembered the days of past when God had shown up. You know, they've told these stories, heard them their entire life of the miraculous things, how he led Abraham to the new land, how he had Moses bring them out of exile, how they established as as free people, they're freed from slavery, from Egypt, how God parted the Red Sea. They've heard these stories. But now where are you, God? Where's our miracle now? Where are you? And then we see a transition starting to happen. You know, lamenting is is when you're just crying out to God that I need you to be here, God. I need you to be here. And then it moved to a confession. Do you, do you notice that transition that he the, the psalmist begins to, or I mean Isaiah begins to make a transition of a confession. We know that you've been angry with us. We're constant sinners. So that lament shifts into a confession. And it's a, a, an honest, I don't know about you guys, but I felt a gut honesty here when they are acknowledging we understand why we've been in this trouble. We understand that we've not been who you want us to be. And they, they begin to understand that what they've done. Have, have you ever seen that maybe as a parent when, when children, yeah, they'll tell us they're sorry when they get caught with the, the hand in the cookie jar, right? But sometimes in those rare moments, they really own it. They understand they made a choice to do something wrong. See, there's a difference between just saying, I'm sorry, and owning the responsibility of it. And the, the, the neat thing that I love about this, because we see this confession is for the community. We're not talking about individual sin here. We're talking about community. We're, we're talking about the, the nation as a whole is what they're confessing. And what's even greater is that some of these people in this time frame, they were never even alive when they were brought into exile. Some of these kids and grandkids, they never saw any of that. But they're still claiming as a nation, as a community, God, we've let you down. We've sinned. It's a corporate sin. The way that society as a people have behaved, they've forsaken God. Their lament turns into confession when they say that they're not being obedient to who God called them to be. It's not enough to just say we're God's people. You know, right now we're living in a time that it's not enough to just say we're a Christian nation anymore when we don't look like it, we don't act like it. That's the kind of lamenting we're talking about here. They realize, God, we're not your people. Well, who has God called them to be? He called them to be a hospitable people who love God and love their neighbors. Sound familiar? 
And they've repeatedly, repeatedly lived in opposition to that of who they're called to be. We see time and time again in the Old Testament when God's people would move away from God, do their own thing, fall into temptations with other gods. And so we see this as a plural confession. And then there's this shift in thinking. They're not blaming God. You know, when I, I'm, I'm guessing when they first went into exile, there was a lot of blame put on. God, why are you doing this? God, why did you let this happen? God, why, God, why, God, why? And so we see this shift where they're no longer blaming God because they're taking responsibility for their sins. They realize God... Man, we haven't done our best, have we? We haven't loved you. We haven't loved people. I haven't even loved my own family lately, God. <laughs> Alex, stop giving me that look. He just actually gave me a look. Like, oh, what in the world? I just cooked him Thanksgiving dinner this week. <laughs> oh, you just blew my sermon sign, that, <laughs> that look. <laughs> So they're desperate. They've hit this point of desperation. They've been released. They're going home, but then they find it in ruins. And yet, they're trusting God. They're longing for something to be restored and renewed. Have you ever been there, church? Where you just have to have a blind trust. God, I don't even know what you're going to do with this. I don't even think you can fix it. I don't know if you can fix it. But God, I'm needing you to restore and renew something inside of me. Even if that looks different. So this is where we see a glimmer of hope. There's a a huge change. And my Bible is just barely noticeable. Some of yours, maybe you can see it. But between verse 7 and verse 8, there's sort of a gap there. Some Bibles actually have that double-spaced. Why is that? Because they have cried out, poured out their hearts. Have you you been here when when the tone changes? When you are crying and you are begging, God, be here. I need you here, God. And God, I am so sorry because I know that I messed up. And then we just take a breath. And we sit there a second. And then we say, and yet. (laughs) And yet. God, you're my father. God, you're, you're the potter and we are just the clay. Do you understand what that statement means? You're you're the potter, we're the clay. And yet, God, all of this, it's still real. And yet, God, you're my father. And God, we're the work of your hand. You know, if, if you've ever worked with clay at all, you know how moldable it is. But you have to understand who's the potter. 
Because honestly, when we're confessing that sin, the problem has become we've tried to shape ourselves. We've tried to shape our lives. We've tried to shape our relationships. And we forgot who the potter is. And yet, see, nothing has changed. You know, I said there's this little gap in there, but nothing has changed. Their houses are still rubble. The temple is gone. Nothing has changed. And yet, see, this is a shift of hope that happens in us. When this begins to happen, when we begin to view it different, instead of looking at all the hopelessness, we're looking at our relationship with God the Father. And yet, there is hope. Not because of the good things that people have done, not because I've changed, and yet there is hope. Not because any of the circumstances are going to change, and yet there is hope. Because of who God is. Do y'all hear me pray that every week when I'm praying over the word that I've read and I say God changes because of who you are? Because I know it's not going to be anything I say up here, but I am praying for this word to be planted in your hearts that you may be changed because of who God is. God is the Father. This is about relationship. And that is hard for us because so many of us, we don't have a very good earthly father relationship. And therefore, we kind of transfer that onto God the Father in heaven. When I say the word Father, you think of your Father. And sometimes that's not good. Sometimes those relationships have been hard and broken if you had one at all. And so you have to relearn what this means. God the Father, unconditional love. And they express their confidence in a God who loves them despite all the ways they have failed him. So they've acknowledged we've sinned. God, you've seen it. You've been angry, but you're still our Father, which means you love us. God, he's the potter. You know, and, and, and the great thing about working with clay is that if you mess it up, and maybe you've seen videos of this or maybe you've tried it before, you know, they make it look so easy. Oh, I'll just stick a finger and a hand down and whoop, all of a sudden here comes a vase or here comes a bowl or tried it once. It don't work that easy, just so you know. I mean, you get off just... And it goes wampa, 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 and clay will fly off of that thing, just so you know. <laughs> it's not all, you know, Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze, beautiful, make it. You know, no, it's dangerous, actually. I mean, it can be dangerous when that clay flies off of there. But the cool thing is, you just scrape all that clay back up, knead it back together, put it back on. God is the potter, still forming us. Still forming us. So if you're sitting there this morning going, oh, you don't know what I've done. No, he does. He's still forming you. If you'll let him. 
See, that's the shift that we're seeing here, that they've cried out and they know that we've messed up. We put ourselves in this. We walked away from you, God. So I can't blame you for what I've put myself in. God, can you, can you reshape me now? Be the potter. And then they, they acknowledge that they are God's people. It's not just that he's God the Father, but we are your people. Lord, we are your people. The people remember their identity. This is such a big thing that I tell people all the time. You have to know where your identity comes from. And it's not from the family you was raised in. It's not from the job you have right now. It's not from even if your kids behave well or don't behave. My identity is in Christ alone. He paid the price for me. No one else. So when everything else goes bad, I'm still the child of the king. That's my identity. And nobody, nobody can take that from me. Ever. So regardless of whether they have a home or even a temple to be in, they remember we're your people. We serve you, Lord. So how does this help us today? You know... It's the first Sunday of Advent, and many of us, you know, we're walking through our own problems today. And I'm not even talking COVID, because guess what? Life is still rolling on. (laughs) There's so many things that we blame on 2020, but let's be honest, it would still be happening, even if COVID wasn't here. People still get sick. Finances still go bad. Relationships still break apart. That's life. So I know we've all walked in this morning or tuned in from home, and I know there are some hopeless situations. Some maybe I know about, some you've not shared with anyone yet. Maybe looking ahead uh, with Christmas season, you know, coming on, and, and we always have this idea what we hope Christmas looks like, right? That perfect little family get together and, you know, all of this kind of thing. But for some of us, those get togethers are tattered with addiction and unhealthy relationships, unspoken pains. For some of us, sometimes those gatherings, man, we just are hoping we can get through two hours of everyone being together and it not blow up in your face. Oh, I'm sorry, that's just my family, right? I understand these things, you know? That's the honest truth of it. Some of us were were walking towards a, a holiday season and, you know, it was supposed to be joyous, but honestly... The heartache because we've lost people. I was truly cranky with my family, (laughs) mostly Thomas. They slept till the meal was served pretty much (laughs) Thursday because we didn't do the whole big Jenkins gathering. And I was super cranky with Thomas, and bless his heart, he tried his best, and he didn't understand at first what in the world. He he thought I was just mad because nobody was helping me, you know. Um... Um, Pat Jenkins, I so missed all the sides you guys bring. I had to cook everything, right? Because we didn't have all the sides coming in. 
I finally got honest with Thomas and I said, and it's been a long time since my family has gotten together at all, but I said, this is the first first Thanksgiving. My brother isn't calling me. (laughs) And I just had to process that. Not that we actually, I mean, it's been years since me and my brother had gotten together for Thanksgiving, but he always called. And he always said, hey, are you going to send me some mama's rolls? Well, I didn't even make mama's rolls this year. I couldn't, I didn't even have a heart for it, you know. Thank goodness, Paula, thank you for that fundraiser because Texas Roadhouse rolls. Who else? Who else? Come on, let's be honest, ladies. Yes, we did. We cooked them easy rolls. Kids love that butter. <laughs> I told Brittany not to lick the bowl out with the butter. So I know holidays without 2020 can really stink when you have to process those first holidays without your loved ones. Even when they're not there on an everyday basis, there's still a gap. There is still a gap. So I know that some of us are walking, and you know what? This was supposed to be a great year. I don't know if anybody else has a memory of January and February. It was going to be a good year. And then 2020 hit us. And now we're all just like tired. You know, Thomas and I was trying to figure out the other day, the last time the van was like used, used, you know. I mean, like they've done some small in-town kind of things. I I think it was around Halloween when we went to get candy. And he was fussing because it needed gassed up. And so I was blaming him and Bo, you know. I was like, y'all used it for teen stuff. And and then he was like, that was just right here in town. He's like, somebody didn't gas this up. Well, he flipped open the book. Oops, ladies, it was us. Do y'all remember that? That great trip to Little Rock. (laughs) But man, that just brought joy to me because I said, wow. I said, that was such a great day. I said, we laughed all the way there. Claudette was ride or die on the front seat. We laughed all the way there and back. I mean, that was a... And we had absolutely no idea that just within days the world was fixing to shut down. In fact, that was probably one of the most dangerous trips lately. Oh, we were dangerous ladies. Look at us. Go. Because we were all so gathered and and COVID was hitting. So I understand right now we feel hopeless and despair because things are not the way they're supposed to be and and things that I don't know when it's going to be that way. Let's just be honest. We don't know when. God feels distant. God, where are you? Man, we were praying so hard in April. And, you know, I, I said this morning, I said, you know, I, I know we're wary of this thought of a vaccine. And now everybody's like, I don't want that stinking vaccine. Why not? We prayed for it back in April. Do y'all remember that? We said, God, come near. <laughs> and God, we, we need this thing to just disappear, mutate it and disappear. Or we need a vaccine or we need a treatment. Don't forget that if these vaccines finally make it out. We prayed for it. Why couldn't it be a miracle and it happened? Why not? But God feels so distant. And and whatever your situation may be, if you're like me, sometimes we look in the past and say, God, I remember when you did this last time. You, You moved this way. God, where are you today? 
Can you move again? So our hopeless situations, they may not always be our fault, by the way. We're talking about, you know, owning it. Sometimes it's, it really isn't our fault. It is not our fault that COVID-19 hit the world. But we're still sitting in hopelessness right now. We're still tired and despairing. But I think one thing I feel like this year has done for us, it has really exposed some things in each of us, individually and as a community. Because of the tension we've all been through, it has exposed things in us that I feel like lamenting needs to lead to a confession. God, we were born as a Christian nation. I'm sorry, I don't know that we are right now. God, we're in this mess because as a whole, I don't know that we serve you anymore. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry. And I know we don't, we don't think of Advent as that confession. BJ, come on, Advent's supposed to be good and, and hope. Where's the hope? Well, First, you have to make that shift. You have to remember your identity. You have to have a pause, a gap, so that you can say, and yet, and yet, God. I lost my brother, and and holidays really stink, and yet... 2020 is shutting things down and, and we don't get to party and we don't get to have the thing. And yet, God is still our father. God is still the potter. God is still desiring a relationship with you and I. God is still desiring to make us holy. And we are still God's people. He has not forsaken us. We have hope that God is still doing new things in us. These are things that no one takes away from us. And yet, I want that phrase stuck in your head this week. And yet. All of this that stinks. Bless Brittany's heart. She was going to try to graduate with the December group. Guess what email she got this week? Canceled. She said, I give up. (laughs) Done with this. (laughs) You know? And yet, God is still our Father. You see, we see a picture of God's people. They're still waiting on the Messiah. Do you understand that time frame? Like what they're waiting on is the Messiah. We have the honor. We've already seen that part of the story. But even though we know how their story turns out, we still don't know how our stories turn out yet. So even though we have the greatest hope, we know Jesus has come, we're still waiting on him now to come back. And we're still sitting in our own despair. Whatever whatever is rubble in your life today, it's real. That pain is real. And we're still waiting to see how our stories 
will end. You know, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, he wrote a Christmas poem, and this was in that poem. It said, and in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. We still feel those despairs today. We have felt this all year long. And yet, there is hope. And yet, there is hope. Not because anything changes. Not because COVID's going to magically go away. Although, I'm still praying it does. There is still hope in this world. There is still hope for you and I to give others in our communities. Not because everything is going to be wrapped up and all pretty under the Christmas tree on Christmas morning. But because God is our Father. He is the potter and we are the clay. So whatever your desperation is this morning, I want you to lay it at his feet. And say, God, you know, maybe I have to own this. Maybe this is my fault. There are consequences to my actions, God, and this one, it's me. Maybe it's a situation, God, I don't even have control over this, but here it is. And then I want you to pause. I want you to breathe. And I just want you to say, and yet, I love you, Lord. I love you despite all of that because you're my father. And I don't understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, and the time frame you're doing it, but you're my father. I'm your people, Lord. And I want to act like that. Stand with me this morning, church. This candle is lit, and as it was burning, it's God crying out, there is hope. There is hope. I mean, I know we sit here in-house this morning, and and we feel a little hopeless because we've got a lot of empty space in here, right? Some of them, you guys at home, you're feeling hopeless because you're like, BJ, I want to be there. I want to fill that space. I just can't yet. And we understand. And yet, God is with every one of us here and there. That's an awesome God. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He walks with us. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, and God, I know there are so many burdens. God, I know in these past couple of weeks, it just the, the, the burdens have felt heavy. And I know I can't be the only one. I know that I'm not the only one that struggles through the holidays because they're different. And I don't mean COVID. I mean, we've lost loved ones. Lord, maybe broken relationships. Whatever makes it different, God, we feel that burden. And God, I want right now for your Holy Spirit to settle in the hearts of your people. And yet, (laughs) there is hope. Because see, God, I'm reminded of your word that even while I was still a sinner, you died for me. It, It had nothing to do with me. I didn't do anything right. In fact, I was doing everything wrong. And you died for me. You sought me out, Lord, when I wasn't even looking for you. I didn't think I needed you, but you didn't give up. And yet, you're my father. Lord, I want you to settle in the hearts of your people. Settle in in their hearts with your spirit. Give them hope today. 
Hope that will strengthen them. Lord, whether anything changes in the circumstances, their hearts change right now because of who you are. I claim that in the name of Jesus. There is a peace that comes upon your people. A peace that nobody else in this world understands if they don't know you. That gives us strength. That gives us the ability to just breathe. Lord, we pray for the Roberts family right now in their their time of grief. That when nothing else can bring them comfort, your spirit can. God, we ask right now that you will surround that family bringing to their minds the good memories. Let them remember their times with John. God, I, I give thanks for him and Darlene who were some of the first friendly faces in this church that that welcomed me in. And they've always supported me. So I thank you for that, Lord. And we just ask that you be with that family. God, for, for other families out there that maybe their loved ones are, are fighting this, this stinking virus, God, just be the healer and be with those families. Father, in this time of Advent, as we wait, may we wait with a hope and expectance of you coming. May that give us joy today, Lord, because of who you are. Lord, we love you. And as we leave this place today, may we represent you well as your people, loving you and loving our neighbors. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church family, have a wonderful, beautiful day. Be blessed and go bless someone else. I'll see you guys Wednesday night. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.